Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. The Crossing Church exists to see every person restored to God and to the life He created them to live. And we want to walk through this journey with you. If you need help, prayer of any kind, or if you give your life to the Lord today, send us an email at church@thecrossing.cc. We would love to hear from you so a member from our care team will reach out to see how we can walk through life with you. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Enjoy the message. Thank you all so much. And welcome to all of you guys. Welcome to all of our church family. Welcome to, and, and I said this in the first service, I'll say it again. If this is your first time to be with us, you are not only welcome here, you're on the team now. You are on the team. So we're, we're here to have a team meeting today. And uh, that's what that's about. And team means we're all coming together to figure out how we can hit the field and get this job done. So I'm very excited about that. I do want to bump that our revival nights. Uh, so, so glad to have um, Pastors Joe and Becky here with us. Joe and Becky Cruz here with us. They're going to be helping us with our revival nights. I want to make this one uh, just, first of all, I got to tell you, God has put a message. I already know one of the messages, and it's going to be powerful. God's already put something on my heart, and I'm not going to preach it now. I'm holding it back, but there's something brewing that's got, got fire with it. So I'm excited about those nights. We're going to start and open the doors at 6 o'clock for everybody to come for open prayer. And I want you to know, please, please be here at 6. Uh, uh, Pastor Joe and Becky will be sort of pastoring that, that time, welcoming us into prayer. And we're going to start the service, though, at 6.30, not 7. So we'll actually kick the football on the worship portion at, at 6.30, Backing things up 30 minutes, not, not necessarily to extend it longer. If God wants to extend it all night, that's up to him. But the, the hope is that those of you that have students and all of you, you students here, we can get y'all home 30 minutes earlier so you can get up because I know you want to get a good night's sleep to go see all your teachers and give them a big hug. So uh, anyway, so revival nights, 6 o'clock, open for prayer, 6.30, we're going to kick full-on worship and uh, get on into it. So just, just a little adjustment, Okay. And I do not miss those. Y'all sound enthusiastic about that. Uh, there you go. Those are powerful nights, gang. Powerful. Do not miss those revival nights. Gang, we've been in a series on vision, and I want to just jump, jump right into it because it's, it's, uh, it's not just talk. We're actually in the middle of what it is we're talking about. Talked about, we're in the book of Nehemiah too, by the way. So we started this series in Nehemiah chapter 1. And Nehemiah, again, the short version is he's a Jewish man in Persia. And the Persians have, have come in, King Cyrus, Cyrus the Great, and overthrow, they overthrew Babylon. And the Jews were at that point set free by Cyrus. They go back to Jerusalem and start to rebuild. And when they get there to start to rebuild, everything's been knocked down. The temple has been knocked down. The walls around Jerusalem knocked down. All their houses burned. Can't imagine, if you can just try to imagine how overwhelmed those, those people must have been. They've gone back. Um, Nehemiah stays. He's got a pretty cush job. He's got a tricked out chariot and making money there in Persia. So why, why, why mess with a good thing? His only thing was he's a wine taster. So I, I guess the, the worst you could do is taste it too much and not know your name. But you know, he, he's, he's, make, he's doing all right. His brothers come back and uh, he asks them, hey, how are things going in, in Jerusalem? And they say, it's not going well. Uh, our, our houses are burned down. The, the rebuild's going slow. In fact, it's not a, non-existent. And they said the walls of Jerusalem are broken down there in uh, Nehemiah chapter one. And when Nehemiah heard the walls of Jerusalem are broken down, 
it destroyed him. He, he, it destroyed. Thousands of people have walked past these same walls, but when he heard it, it something went off in him, and he, he said to himself, hell or high water, those walls are going back up. I am going to see to it that those walls go back up. And I talked to you about how God uh, spoke to me in 1996 and really burst the heart of this church when I read the book of Nehemiah and saw him go back and valiantly rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. I understood that how vision gets conceived. Uh, for him, it was a wall. For you, it might be something else. You might, uh, you, you might walk, well, there's Daryl Youngblood right there. He didn't know I'd point him out. But Daryl, we used to get into chat rooms with professors and argue with them about creationism as they were uh, coming from a, a, you know, a non-creation, uh, more of an evolutionary theory. And he would argue in those chat rooms with the other college students and promote a godly view. And he's brilliant and capable of doing that. Well, he wasn't doing that because he was on stage or somebody was paying him to do it or whatever. He had, a, he, he, in his mind, he said, you know what? These liberal professors are feeding these kids a bunch of ungodly stuff. I can't stand for it. I'm going to get in the middle of this one way or the other. And so the way vision got birthed in him was that was his wall to build. He, he just said, you know what? Everybody else can, might be able to leave, sleep at night. I can't. I got to get the job done. So he took them on. For you, I don't know what it might be. For me, it had to do with just, uh, you know what my, my burden is? I want to see a deeply powerful, spirit-filled church also capable of preaching the, 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 the common principles of Scripture, not one or the other, both powerfully spirit-filled and deeply biblical and men and women walking in that. Our revival services are going to lean way over here. We're going to be coming to experience the presence of God. Our Sunday mornings are a little more uh, bent to train and equip and inspire. You put the two combos together. Our worship services are about the holy presence of God. Our teaching is usually very practical. So we, we're, we're trying to, it's not one or the other, it is both. And uh, that's my burden for you. And I don't know what, yeah, praise the Lord. I don't know what your wall to build might be, but in 96, I had no clue what this meant. But over and over, the spirit of the Lord began to speak, Randy Harvey, you have a wall to build. And that's your wall to build. And nobody else can build your wall. And if you don't build it, it doesn't get built. Go build your wall. And over and over and over, you got a wall to build, that's your wall to build. Nobody else can build your wall. If you don't build your wall, it doesn't get built. Randy Harvey, go build your wall. I didn't even know what that meant. I just knew I'm running through, I'm going to, some wall is going to get built. And, uh, and that's how it got birthed. For Nehemiah, that's how it hit him. And so I just want to challenge you to be looking for things that you think, you know what? Other people seem to be okay that the elderly aren't visited. I, I can't live with it. I can't even sleep. I'm going to take that. That's going to happen. I'm going to take care of that. Uh, some are maybe comfortable that uh, maybe our students are, are going unattended or unchallenged or, or anything else. Some of you are going, you know, no, no, no. I got I to gotta make sure these kids are successful. I got to make sure they understand not just a shallow thing about God. I want them doused in the power and person of the Holy Spirit and evangelizing their, their schools. I, I can't let this just be mediocre. Whatever it is for you, you've got a wall to build. I want to stir you in that. That was Nehemiah chapter one, and that had to do with being in basically your personal vision being stirred. Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem in Nehemiah chapter two, and not only is he fired up, but now he cast vision. 
He gets with all these people that are living with all these stones and he goes, guys, what are we thinking? This wall's broken down. We got to build this wall. And he does the rah-rah speech. We're going to change the world. We're going to take over the earth. We're going to build a wall. And he starts firing them up. And when you cast vision, it starts to raise something in people where it's like, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to put this in the end zone. We're winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. And casting vision, especially for us pastors, we love casting vision. Man, we can stir it up and talk about we're taking over this city. We're going to own the mayor. We're going to take over the White House. Then we're going to take over the nation. Then we're going to go island to island. We're taking over for Jesus. And we can cast vision like that. And we need to be able to stir vision. And we talked about that last week in a very broad sense that our nation right now uh, 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 if you were to, to, to try and describe the nation, I described it this way. It's a nation with no boundaries. All boundaries have gone. Uh, we don't need a better president. I shouldn't say it. Well, let me take that back. Uh, a, a Superman president. I'm so sorry. Lord bless whoever has that job. What a job. So uh, enough of that. Uh, but the answer to our nation is not a better, stronger president. Uh, they can't fix it, guys. And our, our false hope in a, a different leader. And we ought to get the best leader we can. But that isn't the hope of this nation. You are. You're the hope of this nation. What's broken in this nation is because all of the boundary walls have broken down. Uh, marriage, there's no boundaries. What people can speak to each other, there's no boundaries. Uh, uh, sex, no boundaries. Everything in our nation, we've just said, we've defied boundaries. The work of the church is to go back and rebuild those walls. Rebuild those boundaries. It matters that you're married before you have... It matters. That's, that's God's boundary. Ouch. It matters how we handle our finances. God has boundaries to that. It, our speech matters. Our conduct matters. Our thinking matters. Our entertainment matters. There's boundaries. God put them there not to restrict us. There, we're protected in the boundaries. We're blessed in the boundaries. This is where life happens. It's in the boundaries. We talked about that a lot last week as the group. we got to live life within the boundaries. And I pose the question, is there any part of your life that's outside the walls? Because if it is, it's not safe out there, gang. Come home. Get it back in there. Ask myself the same question. So we, we, we're, we're Nehemiah 1 and 2. Now we get to, to Nehemiah chapter 3. So there's personal inspiration. Then there's the group inspiration. And we get to chapter Three, and if I were to read you more than five verses of chapter three, y'all would all be asleep. It's it's like watching paint dry on a wall. It's it, it, it's boring as all heck because we've gone from personal inspiration and casting vision, and this is the message today. To this portion, this phase of vision is get it done. It's get it done stage of vision. The get it done stage of vision isn't where everybody's going, yeah, we can do this. We got this team. It's when you actually get down and start bumping heads with reality and going, oh, this is hard. Ooh, did I mean that when I said that? Wow, this is costing a lot. God, this is very inconvenient. And uh, I want to talk to you. So here's, here's, a, here's a, a definition of vision. And this is how this is happening in, in all of you. It's a definition of vision. I want to uh, stir this in your mind. Vision is a picture of the future that evokes passion. That's what it's just a picture of the future. You look at reality now and go, this stinks. I see a better future. 
and it evokes passion. Now, let's talk about what passion means because our current cultural definition of passion, I mean, everybody here could go, fashion is my passion. I'm just passionate about Hamburgers is my passion. I'm just just passionate about it. And uh, what we mean in current culture is we mean it just just brings me a lot of joy. Uh, Being cute is my passion. I'm just, I'm I'm adorable. (laughs) It's my passion. Well, that's not the passion we're talking about here. We're talking about biblical passion. Biblical passion says this. Jesus, the passion of Jesus was this. Jesus looked, God looked and saw us broken. And he said, I'm not, I'm, one way or the other, I'm not going to leave it this way. I'm not going to leave y'all in your sin. I won't. And his passions were stirred. And what did that mean? I will give and sacrifice myself. I will bleed. I will self-deny. And if it costs me my life, I'm going to get y'all saved. And Jesus Christ so long to please his father. God so loved, there's the vision, that he gave, there's the get it done, there's the passion. He gave. And when we talk about when God begins to stir vision in you, it isn't just dreamy, and it's okay to dream, and it's not just, you know, idealism, and that's okay too, but when God begins to stir something in you, you start to look at lives different and go, you know what? I'm going to quit doing some things. I'm going to sacrifice some things. And if it costs me my life, I'm going to get the job done. And that is the spirit. That's the spirit of the rescuer that is in us when you receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And so when the going gets tough, and this is what I call the get it done stage of vision, is where about 90% of visions go to die. Because it's fun to be personally inspired, and we need to be. You get in the Holy Ghost service and, oh, and, oh, yeah. And then you get in a group and you talk it up and you write it up. But at some point, and I'll I'll just say it, you got to put up or shut up. You got to fish or cut bait. You got to, all these Southern things, however you want to say it. Uh, There's there's other Southern things I can't say. Uh, One just went through my mind. Just keep on going. But uh, you got to get the job done. You got to start. And so, and that's, that's what I want you to know, Crossing Church family, Crossing Church team, we have, we have cast vision and we've stirred and we've inspired. We are now in the season of get it done. We are starting the get it done stage. And uh, so with that, uh, with that, I want to cast, and I am going to get to some scripture. I'll tell you what, uh, for your sake, you turn, you go to Zechariah, don't even go to Nehemiah, you'll, you'll be asleep on me. Uh, go to Zechariah chapter 4 and then James chapter 2. That's all I'm going to have time for today. But gang, I want to I share something with you that God birthed in me. And uh, Habakkuk says this, write the vision and make it plain so that those that read it can run with it. Write the vision and make it plain. Back in 2014... Late, late January of 2014, uh, I was very frustrated about church, church life. Our staff at that time, our staff is completely different and they're fantastic. But uh, man, I wanted to choke some staff folk and uh, just frustrated and uh, frustrated with church, frustrated with leading, just frustrated. And I got up as I have done for many years. I got up in my early in the morning, got in my car, and dr- was driving here to pray as I always do. And for whatever reason, when I got to Gosling, 
I turned right instead of coming here. To this day, I don't know. It was a whim. I turned right. I get to to, uh, to, uh, 242, I turn left. I get to 1488, I turn left. And I'm just driving. I mean, my mind is so preoccupied going, God, you have got to do something. Surely, I'm not going to die here. If I am, take me today. I've had it with this. And uh, I find some place, and to this day, I don't know exactly where I pulled in, but I pulled in someplace with coffee in hand, and I parked by a red light on 1488. And I'm just sitting there fussing about all of life, and uh, more than anything, just drinking coffee and thinking. And uh, as the light would turn red, those cars would back up as far as the eye could see. Tight. Boop, 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 boop. And at first, when I looked at those cars, I thought, traffic, God Almighty. What's going on out here at 1488? So much traffic. People are in the way. That's just, these people are just in my way. So, uh, and I watched it for a few minutes. But at one point, the light turned red, and those cars started backing up, and something broke in my heart. And for a, in a millisecond, these people weren't traffic, and they weren't cars. They were people. I thought, man, there's, a, there's somebody's son and somebody's daughter is in that car. Somebody's dad and somebody's mother is in that car. They're headed to work. Some of them are hating life right now. Some of them are wondering, are they going to be married at the end of the month? Some of them are wondering, is this job going to cut it? Does anybody even know that I am so discouraged right now? I just started feeling what these human beings in these cars, and they weren't in my way anymore all of a sudden, and I'm out of control. I start crying over all of these people that I don't even know. I don't even know why I'm sitting here. And the more they lined up, the more I cried. And God began to speak to me, Randy Harvey, I want you to restore these people. I want you to restore them to God and to the life I created them to live. I love them. They're not a bunch. They're individuals. They're mothers. They're fathers. They're hardworking. They're lonely. They're discouraged. And they're without Jesus. I did some research and found that in Montgomery County, there's 500,000 plus people, one of the fastest growing counties. There's more than that since I did this research. But of those 500,000, 250,000 claim faith. In the research, in other words, they either committed to, to, to uh, Christianity or to, to Buddha or to either Buddhist or Muslim or something, but they have a faith. That means 250,000 people right here in the Bible Belt, right under our nose, don't have to go to Africa or Russia or any foreign land. They don't claim any faith. How in the Bible Belt? I have assumed all my life, everybody I looked like, I think, well, if you're, you know, if you're in Texas, you must be saved or you know somebody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just some Southern something, because all I've ever been around is Southern believers all of my life. And you know what? It's a wrong assumption, extremely off. 250,000, and of the 250,000 that claim faith, they're not all evangelicals. So I just wrote down a figure, 300,000 people are within striking distance of our church that need Jesus. And if every church in Montgomery County picked up 5,000 people, we would still come up short of the need that's out there. This began to break in my heart to to go, church as usual is not going to get the job done. God, what do we have to do? And this stuff starts brewing in me. And God began 
to stir something. And I hadn't, I hadn't shared this really at this level with anybody. And I honestly, I redacted for the sake of time what I just began to write up. But I want to encourage you to go through this exercise. Open your mind and say, God, I see something that needs to get done. Would you fill me with vision? When I begin to, and at the, at, in, at the beginning of 2014, we hadn't purchased our land on 1488. We now have that 17 and a half acres. It's paid for, and we're about to get into serious get-it-done stage to get our building up. But gang, here's, here's what I, in 2015, I call this the rescue dream. 2015, I see a 2,000-seat auditorium packed twice a Sunday ministry capacity to effectively touch 5,000 plus, more than just housing 5,000, a spirit-shaped, spirit-empowered God machine that genuinely transforms every person with a personal introduction to God Almighty through a Holy Spirit-awakened revelation of Jesus Christ, where people are restored to God and encounter the life they were created by God to live, a place where worship rises quickly in every gathering in defiance of all fear, intimidation, and the spirit of defeat that's in the atmosphere. Worship where the spirit of the Lord descends, bringing freedom to liberate with discernible signs and wonders. Every addict is set free, depression is broken, and the sick are made whole a place where hands are raised from the front row to the back in recognition of the gracious privilege of being a guest in his holy presence and still allowed to live. Children's ministry facilities to house 300 kids a weekend and a place where kids beg their parents, quote, please, can we go to church today? where kids encounter God's presence, learn the Bible, and have a whole lot of fun along the way, where J-highs and high school students have a place to hang out and build friendship, a gym-like facility to host 500-plus students encountering Jesus and evangelizing their schools, where mission trips are the norm, serving is the norm, salvations on a weekly basis, the norm, Church, churches far and wide will come and ask, what's the crossing doing to produce this kind of fruit in these teenagers? 300 plus groups meeting all around Montgomery County, day and night, all ages, singles, married, college, career, family, all building lasting friendships together and becoming stronger. A prayer chapel open 24 hours a day. Classroom buildings capable of hosting discipleship freedom ministry, training, counseling, coaching, and on-site groups. Hold, buckle your seatbelt for this one. A for-profit restaurant, a for-profit daycare, and a for-profit state-of-the-art gym to work off calories in said restaurant. <laughs> All generating monies to fund missions, local outreach to the poor, the hungry, and prison ministry. And all those who set foot on this holy ground where thousands are saved, thousands baptized, and a million tears of prayer and intercession have fallen, they would say of this God machine, the crossing is a real church with real people encountering a real God.
Real church. Real church. And that's not just for us. Real church. Real people. Working this really. In touch with the real God who shows up. Praise God. That's the vision that stirred in my heart. That's the compassions that stir. And gang, how much of that is dream and how much is vision? I don't know, but I know this. What is vision is those 5,000 souls that are sitting out there right now. And in order to reach them, it'll take every single one of you coming into your own understanding. What has God created? You're going to have to find your wall to build. Church, as we've done it for the last 20 years, has done what church, as we've done it the last week, it's done what it's going to do. And the impact necessary, we're not equaling it. Something's got to move and something's got to change. And a part of it comes from people gathering on revival nights and saying, God, I don't know what it is, but we understand this. Our coolest church and our coolest bands is not getting the job done any longer. What do you want to do? We're available. We're teachable. We're trainable. We humble ourselves. We put down our church pride, our religious pride, our religious walls, and we open to the person of the Holy Spirit who poured in to 120 people gang. 120 people who were clueless as to what to do with what Jesus had told them to do. And the Holy Spirit came. And I'm getting into my revival message. I'm going to back off. (laughs) But whatever it is that is necessary for the next season in touching this generation, we're not going to come up with it in catchy uh, church growth seminars. It's going to be spirit birthed in people like you and me and in a church just like this one who says, Lord, we're available to change, but whatever's necessary, so we produce good fruit. Lord, would you do it here? And would you do it at Stonebridge? Gang, I want you to hear me. You, Pastor, you're talking about all these numbers or whatever, you're all into your ego and all. If you know me well, you know the last place I want to be is in a crowd. I don't even want to be in a restaurant. People used to say, hey, pastor, we're throwing you a party for your birthday. I was like, why? (laughs) It's my birthday. Um, (laughs) uh, That's so terrible. No, I love people and love it, but I'm an introvert. I I don't need, I don't want my name known anywhere and I don't want anybody calling me. I didn't ask for this. But here's what I do know. Those 5,000 have nothing to do with making our name great. Those are humans. Those are souls. Those are living eternities. They're already, listen, eternity's already in session. It's not, it doesn't start when you die. You're already eternal. You're eternal as you sit there. You're waiting for that body to give out, but you are already in eternity right now. And those 300,000, they're already eternity. They're eternal and their eternity's headed one direction or another. And God's not okay with it. But he doesn't just come in and do it for us. He's looking for people to say, will you put your hand up and say, hey, would you use me? Would you mold me? Would you change me? Would you feel me? We need every single person in this room. You know what we're competing against? We're not competing against Pastor Steve Bradley, who's out there. We're going to support uh, Stonebridge Baptist and say, go get them. Uh, Frankie Mezapika's out there. Praise God for Celebration Church. And uh, Pastor Greg's out there. Restoration Church, man, go get them, Pastor Greg. We're not competing with them. If all of them got 10,000 more, it's not going to get the job done. We're competing against our own redemptive potential. Right, we're competing against what if... We took steps away. What could God do with us? If we sit here, we die. But what if 
that, that potential, there's something out there that God knows that we can't see, but that ought to be stirring something in you. If your heart is just stone cold right now, this is a good time just to stop listening to me and say, God, how did I get so cold? Would you touch me? And I don't say that to guilt you. I say that to say getting a cold heart, it's pretty normal. The scripture says of these last days, you're going to have to fight cold heartedness because of the increase of lawlessness, your hearts are going to grow cold. So I'm not shaming you. I'm saying I got to keep mine warmed up too. But those 5,000, that 300,000, they're out there drowning right now, gang. And it isn't just going to happen. We got to act. So we've reached now Nehemiah chapter 3. And this is where, again, this is where this is, this is get it done or quit talking. And so every preacher loves to rah-rah. But this is where lots of visions come to die. And, and I got a word for somebody here. There's somebody here that God has at one point spoken to you. And you're, you're hearing me and going, yeah, yeah, been there. Yeah, been there. Yeah, I remember when I was excited like that. Yeah, I remember at church camp. Something got stirred up and you had vision and you had passion. But when it, when it got down to getting it done, you got punched in the mouth like all of us do. Life happens. People happen. In your mind, when you're thinking of winning them to Jesus, you think everybody's going, oh, thank you. Oh, I just love you. And then you actually meet a human And everybody doesn't love you. And everybody's not cheering you on. Everybody's not excited about your vision. And man, a little skosh of discouragement from every life. And all of a sudden, you were excited and you tell yourself, it was just a dream. It just made it up in my mind. But when it came down to getting it done, you got punched in the mouth again. And it discouraged you. Something's burning as I'm speaking And you're thinking, could it, could that have been God? And I'm here to say, God is here to say, I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten whatever life you have left. If you want to jump back on this boat, I'm right here. We can do this together. We need you. The world's needing you on the field. And it is hard. That's why chapter three and all, so I won't even read it to you because it'll put you to sleep. All, it's a long list of ad nauseum names that nobody can pronounce, that nobody will remember. And it just says Ashbibanab worked beside Ikar, worked besides hard name, worked beside hard name. And all it is is just, a, if, you're, if you cannot sleep tonight, Nehemiah chapter 3 is for you. Before you hit the end, out. And here's, here's what I want you to know. Personal inspiration is exciting. Casting vision in church, exciting. Get it job, getting the job done portion, this is, this is hard. And, uh, so, and so what this was was just a bunch of people that said, you know what, I'm going to build this section of the wall. That's all I can build. And then there's somebody beside them said, well, then I'm going to build this section right here. And, this, um, and all the way around Jerusalem, somebody wasn't doing it all. Somebody was doing their part to get the job done. And when you hear vision, it starts to evoke from you. You tell me, you put me on this team, coach. And that's happening in some of you, even as I speak right now. I better read some scripture. We are in church. Here's my first point, and I, uh, okay. Here's my first point, and I'll blow through these quick. Take the step that's in front of you. Take the step you can see in front of you. In other words, if you're waiting for this whole grand plan, when I read all of that stuff, 
that whole grand plan, something in me says, we got to raise all the, that's about $50 million worth what I said, plus we're going to have to buy the land between our property and 1488, which we haven't done, which we don't have the money to do. I don't have it now. Uh, but it's overwhelming when you start to try to do it all at once. But if you can just do this, take the step that's available to you now, and it'll probably look like a baby step. This is Zechariah chapter four, where I ask you to turn again. Just stay with me, gang. So in your Bibles, Esther, Nehemiah, and Ezra, that's the history in your Bibles. That's the history of this time frame. They've left the Babylonian captivity, and it's rebuild time. So Esther, Nehemiah, Ezra, that's your history. The prophets to that period of time, Zechariah, Haggai, Jeremiah had some of that action. I'm not sure of all the other prophets, but those are the prophets. Zechariah is now talking not about the wall falling down, but about the temple. He's not talking to Nehemiah. He's talking to a man named Zerubbabel. Y'all with me? Okay, just a little Bible a little Bible class there so you understand. We're talking about the exact, they're looking at the exact same pile of junk, pile of stones. Zechariah 4, 6, and he's prophesying. It says, then he said to me, Zechariah speaking, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, uh, uh, it is not by force nor by human strength, or it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's army. Nothing, not even a mighty uh, mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. When Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. Some of your versions say the, the people will shout grace, grace to it. I'm going to finish this, but let me speak, say this. The mountain he's talking about, when all of Zerubbabel and his group came back, when they got back to Jerusalem, this beautiful uh, temple that Solomon had built, it was built of thousands of one ton, one half ton, one quarter ton stones, beautifully built and stacked. Those had been knocked down, and now they're just mountains of rubble. And when they walk up on this mountain of rubble, it takes all their faith away. It just sucks the life out of them. And they look at the walls made with the same stones and acres and acres of piles, if you will, a mountain of stones. And when God begins to speak through the prophet, he's saying, Zerubbabel, I know you're looking at a mountain of stones right now. They're actually the materials you're going to build with. I want you to know, Zerubbabel, you will start the project and you will get the job done. And when you put the final stone on it, this whole mountain of rubble will be gone and the people will shout grace, grace to it. What is grace? It's divine enablement. In other words, the people will say, we could never have done this on our own and with our ingenuity and with our capacities. But God has come and brought a grace, a divine supernatural enablement for us to get this job done. And we worship and say grace to it. This was because of God. When the scripture says it's not by might nor power, it's by my spirit. He doesn't mean that we simply pray and the Holy Spirit put that temple up. 
He means it's not by your human ingenuity, not by your political strength speaking to, to Zerubbabel, not by your smarts. It'll be by my spirit moving on you people and through you, we're going to get this job done. Are you tracking with me? I continue on, verse 8. Then another, another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's army has sent me. Verse 10 is the kicker for me. Do not despise small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hands. Do not despise small steps, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Take you through another quick story here. When I drew up and when we began to plan, and we've been planning for many years and drawing up plans for many years, we drew up the plans for a 55,000 square foot facility that would take uh, our, our, our 2,000 seat auditorium, our youth facilities, uh, offices, everything. In my mind, all I could picture was this massive facility. It was coming in between 12 and 15 million. Uh, after, after COVID, uh, I don't know if I'm getting my timelines right, but I'm telling you, after COVID, we came back and looked at those numbers and all of the builders were saying, uh, wood's up three times, steel's up three times, glass up three times, and they started coming back with numbers that made me want to jump off a very high building. And uh, I, I, I was wrestling with God and trying to come up with an idea. How can we do a $15 million project? How can this church do that? Couldn't find a way to make it work. Uh, selling this property, we'd have to sell it with a really great price. So I did what most pastors do. I come up here and I claimed and I brought down and I picked up and I, I, I cast out and brought in and just caught on fire and just jumped in the water. I did everything. Uh, I got that slathered oil on all the things and all the offering boxes. And God, all we need is one person. All we need is one person to give 15 million. How hard is it? I come up with the ideas, you do the work. <laughs> no, I, I could, it, it was very defeating. And after COVID, when the builders came and uh, told me everything was up, uh, guys, it was, a, again, it was a straight punch in the mouth. It was like, not going to happen. Can't do it. And the truth is, I had claimed and proclaimed and that was like the final straw. It was like, like a rocky thing going down. And uh, good news is I was getting in my car after that conversation, and I did, and went to Dallas. Actually, I got on an airplane, went to Dallas. Defeated, mad at God. God, I've told the people, we're going to build this great thing. Mad at God. And uh, I told God, I'm, I'm out. you got to either kill me, get me out. I'm beaten. We're beaten. You're beaten. Man, I went to bed that night. I was in a hotel, and I am not scared of the dark. I'm telling you that right now. But I did leave the TV on. It's for a little bit of light. Just so I could see my way around. So if I needed to cast something out, I'd know what I was casting. You know what I'm I left it on uh, Christian television uh, with the sound off. And uh, I wake up at 4 in the morning. And when I look at the television... Jensen Franklin is on there, and I, I don't have the volume up, but I can, I can tell what he's saying. 
He's looking at me and he's doing this. Stretch, stretch, stretch. And I already knew God had visited me. He already, it's like more stretching, I don't know. I turned the volume up and he's talking about stretch your faith, stretch out your hand and receive. Moses stretched out the rod and it's stretch time, stretch, stretch. And the more he talked, I was like, yeah, yeah, stretch. Okay, I don't know how in the world we're going to do this, but I stretch, stirred something up. I come back and uh, I'd never really considered building our, our, our project in phases. Forgive me, but... Uh, all I could see is the all or nothing. And uh, Gary Colvin, who's our project manager, and I don't remember the exact words, but here's what I heard. Gary Colvin came in to a, a very short meeting. Gary Colvin is not a vision casting kind of guy. He's a vision getting done kind of guy. And that's who you want for a project manager, by the way. And Gary's doing a fabulous job. But he came in and he said, look, I've talked with the builder. And he, he kind of just was matter of fact, look, this is what we can build for what we can afford right now. This is what we need to do. Boom. It's a six, five, 600 seat auditorium. This is 350. I was like, I want a 2000 seat auditorium. It's like, quack, 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 quack. Here's 600 seat auditorium. Here's, here's enough children's space so that you, we can get started. Uh, the, the money is in the infrastructure. It's all of the roads and the electricity and the, the land. Nine billion bucks. And I'm like, nine million bucks. Man, it took me a week to get undepressed. I thought, you're kidding me. And I came to this scripture. Don't despise the day of a small beginning. For the Lord... He rejoices at the beginning of a project. He's rejoicing over this. Man, faith started to rise. Strength started to rise. A word from God. Faith comes by hearing a word from God. I heard a word from God, and I began to realize, and here's what God began to say. You take the, you take the step I've provided you take it by faith, and you're just going to, the rest of your life, what you're going to be doing, I'm like, God, and I know all my type A's are like this, I need the next 12 steps. I need to know how they're going to be paid for. I need the money in the bank right now. Before we start, I need a fail-safe plan. You're in for a rough ride with our God. He is sort of a need-to-know kind of boss, and you don't need to know most of the time. I'm serious. I have found him to be. I'm going to give you enough light to see your next step. And you're going to need to be faithful to take it. And if you ever want to back out, you can. But you'll never know what. And I'm not telling you what could have been. I'm going to lead you a step at a time. Your steps are ordered Amen. by me. And you'll have to take that next step. Gang, what I'm encouraging of everybody here. Now, this is big boy and girl Christianity. This isn't dreamy. Uh, you know, you can interpret that scripture. It's not by might nor power, it's by my spirit. So we just pray and we just wait and the Lord's just going to drop this in on us. You're going you're to die in that spot. You pray, you wait, you get a word from God. 
But there's going to be an action of some sort. He's not going to do it for you. There's something required on our part. God, not, this, okay, this is going to be tough for you here. You might know something else. What I've learned of God so far in 60 years is he's not nearly as drawn to need as we think he should be. He doesn't seem to, there's need everywhere. Have you ever said to God, God, how can you allow this to happen? Can't you see these people? Does he get terrible? Have you noticed, have you found him to get excited when you do that? There's need everywhere. God supplies our needs, but he isn't really moved by our needs. The thing I find in scripture that moves God is faith. It's consistent from start to finish. And faith, so let's talk about faith, and I'm going to bring the plan down. Let's talk. Are y'all okay? I'm trying to get y'all in an end zone. I'm trying to get what God called you to do, get it done. But we got to leave the dream stage. He's just going to do it, and it's just going to be great. We're so convenience-driven. We've kind of built this into our Western Christianity. It doesn't fit. Forget it. To get something done for God will be inconvenient. It'll be tough, but it's absolutely worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Here's what James said. Take the step in front of you. Uh, number two, faith takes a risk. Faith takes a risk. Uh, this is James uh, 2, 14. says, dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department and I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith, they fit together hand in glove. I don't know how you break it down any clearer than that. But faith, there's sort of dreamy faith. I believe, I believe, I believe, and that's good, and we need that. And there are times where God miraculously delivers with very little effort. Praise God. Most of the time, there's an action necessary. And again, here's what you need to hear what I just read. Faith is taking a risk. Faith is taking a risk. I've asked God, and I continue to ask God, would you supply the nine million? Actually, we don't need nine million. We need eight million. Y'all have already given the other million. Lord, I, I don't want to, we've got an $8 million line of credit, but I'd like to get to the end of this and not have to use any of it. You know, I'd like to get to that spot. We're not there right now. Here's where we're at. The Lord has parted the waters for us to take a step. We have enough money in the bank right now to pay all that we will need to pay on our property and bill the thing uh, up until April of 2025. So any payments that we will be, need to make toward that loan, all the money to pay it 
up until 2025. What happens in 2025? We move in. We're going to be having Easter services four miles up the road on our new property. Uh, and that's not touching our, our other savings, our, our reserves. Uh, the money's in the bank right now. Do you have enough faith with that much provision to take a step to say, God, I believe when we get to April of 2025, the next two years will be in there. Perhaps enough money so we don't have to, we, we don't have to keep drawing on that, that loan. Now, I don't know. Here's what I'd love to say. It's all going to come in. I got it right here in my, I don't have it in my pocket. Here's what I have. I have enough clarity about what the next step is, and it's a step of faith. And here's what I want to encourage you. Our church is walking in faith. We're taking the step that God has provided for us to take. But here's the day. Once, once we kick the football, there's no turning back. Once Israel crossed the Jordan, that Jordan closed back up. Can't get out. Here's what faith is. It's betting on God. It's betting on God. Some of you got your money in the stock market. You're betting on the stock market. You're already a better. Everybody here drove in a car to get here. You were betting your life because there's crazies out there in two-ton vehicles. It should not be on that highway. And all of them got a cell phone, which makes them doubly dangerous. And the only thing separating you from them and protecting you is a little yellow line about that big. And yet every day you bet your life. Hear me. We're called to walk by faith and not by sight. You got enough sight to take the next step, but you're betting on God. Let me ask you, is he worth betting the rest of your life on? Those people that he died for, that he said, I'm going to bet it. I'm going I'm to spend my son. I'm pushing my son up on this table. I'm betting him for their salvation. Are they worth us betting on God? Whatever the call of God on your life, whatever embarrassment or struggle or pressures or whatever that stop you, isn't he worth betting on and pushing through? Aren't they worth betting on and pushing through? I believe he is. I believe he is. Gang, would you bow your heads? Your heads bowed. I also believe there's some folks in this room that have never received Jesus Christ. And it's the same question. Right now, you're already eternal and you're already betting your future. There's no guarantee that by, by sundown tonight that you'll be alive. And once you leave this body, you're going to go one of two places for the rest of eternity. And to live without Jesus is betting that you know better. Salvation is saying, I'm putting all my chips up on the table. And God, I trust you. I have faith in you. I'm betting on God. I'm trusting you, God. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, under your breath, or allow, I don't really, however you have to do it to get this right with God, the Holy Spirit is here opening your heart, gracing you with this opportunity for you to be saved. You simply say it in the way that you would say it. I, I, normally, I would lead you in a prayer. I believe right now. Just say, God, save me. I believe that you are God. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. And I'm confessing to you, Jesus, right now. I surrender to you 
You're my Lord, my King, my God, my boss, my owner. Scripture says you've been bought with a price. You're not even your own. The Scripture doesn't call us to confess our sin to salvation. It says confess that he's God. Confess that Jesus is Lord. Confession of sin is an important thing. It's a good thing. But salvation is saying, I confess you are my God. You're my owner. And it's the best position to live your life in. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. You're in charge. I'll follow you. Save me. Deliver me. Heal me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And give me a wall to build. Give me a piece of this. You put me on this earth for something. God, I don't want to live another minute not living towards what you've called me to be and do. In the name of Jesus. You do that however you do it. And I promise you, Jesus Christ is coming into your life and you will be saved. There's others in this room and I'd like prayer teams to come to the front. Everybody stand to your feet as we close here. I just want to pray, Father, for every vision that's gone dormant or has gone asleep in any life, any discouraged, depressed, somebody beaten up by life, just talked out of, Every one of us have experienced something like this. In the name of Jesus, I ask that you would begin to cause that life to come back on fire. That dream, that vision, that calling, let that calling begin to burn again and open our eyes to see others the way that you see them. Give us vision. Let us see people and the life's circumstances the way you see it. Vision. And cause it to bring us to an action, Lord. Lord, our faith is in you. Thank you for the blessing on this church. And thank you, Lord God. Already we speak over that property. Grace. Grace to it. Grace to it. To the visions that people are seeing in this room. Grace to it. To, to, to long awaited and hoped for promises. Grace to it. By the divine enablement, it will come to pass. Thank you, Father. Thanks so much for listening to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. Keep up with everything going on at The Crossing by liking us on Facebook, following us on Instagram, or subscribing to our YouTube channel. You can visit us online at www.thecrossing.cc. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.